Welcome back, Kansas Talking Catholic with David O'Gray. It was almost shocking news last week when a portion of the Francisco documentary was released, which showed Pope Francis uh, being uh, seeming to give his endorsements in support of civil unions. While this wasn't a new revelation, because we already knew that Francis held those positions, that he held those positions when he was a bishop of Argentina. I wanted to hold off before I commented until I watched the entire documentary, and I did. And I give you my thoughts on the documentary Francisco on the other side of this introduction to Talking Catholic. Fool me, we can't get fooled again. Okay, so let's talk Catholic. So this documentary is about two hours in length. Um, it includes interviews uh, with Pope Francis. It includes live footage of him traveling. It includes various clerical and lay people commenting on the things the Pope has been involved in. In particular, um, it includes footage and, and talks about his early life as an immigrant to Argentina from Italy. It talks a lot about his, the influence his grandmother had in his life as a boy. It includes his call to the priesthood, the role of what he believes, um, his thoughts on the role of women in the church. A lot of footage here about his care for the world's environment. A lot about his interreligious dialogue, the so-called universal brotherhood. Um, lots of footage. Uh, this, this plays a big role. The scandal he caused with his initial comments about a sex abuse cover-up in Chile in 2018 and the resolution of the issue, which led to him asking for the resignation of a number of bishops at a conference, later on accepting a number of them. And, and finally, it also includes some of his opinions about family and about homosexuality. Concerning those other issues, aside from the last two about family homosexuality, I will say that it was interesting to hear about Jorge Bergoglio's upbringing. I had never really taken the time to learn uh, much about his early life and the role that his grandmother played in his life and how she introduced him to St. Francis of Assisi and how he felt the call to the priesthood after leaving confession when he was still a boy. And I have to admit, that was actually pretty inspiring to listen to um now as for friends how he's exercised his pontificate this documentary has only reinforced that i think he has been a complete disaster as pope and i think he is the worst pope that his church has ever had and i thank god that we've been given such a horrible pope to pray for and sacrifice for just as catholics of centuries past had horrible popes to pray for and let me run down Listen real quick. First, every statement and document that Francis has ever made or issued on interreligious dialogue has been fully immersed into the spirit of Freemasonry. And I say that not just as some Catholics read a couple of books about Freemasonry and dreams of one world order conspiracies. No, I say that as a person who was a Freemason and who understands the Masonic philosophy just as well as anyone in history of the world. Francis is not an initiated Freemason, but he is what I call in my book, uh, my book, The Catholic Catechism on Freemasonry. What I call him in that book is a Masonic ally. Second, for as far as his care and concern for the environment, I get it. I like how the documentary showed areas of the world with tremendous pollution problems and how pollution affects people in poor countries the worst. And perhaps if 
um, Francis was, uh, well, if he wasn't such a horrible pope, I can take him seriously. But don't talk to me about saving the world while you're destroying the church. For that reason, everything he says about the environment is satirical to me. Third, as for the scandal caused in Chile when he first defended Bishop Juan Barros and Father Fernando Cardima, before he realized he's wrong and then tried to clean it up by firing um, a lot of the bishops there in Chile. Again, okay. If it wasn't for the case that the McCarrick reports is still being suppressed, if it wasn't for the fact that those like War on Wilton and Greg uh, Wilton Gregory, um, who have a great track record of um, covering up for Homer predators, are still living off of church offerings, then okay. Maybe what he did in Chile would mean something to me, but that's not the case. It is just more papal hypocrisy and inconsistency. Fourth, lots of footage in this documentary about Pope Francis being close to the people. He seems to have a well-forged personal opinion that the church has been distant from the people on the margins and that the church has created a chasm between itself and the people who need it most. <clears throat> and he, he feels that it is his duty to be that bridge between the people and the church by drawing closer to them. That sounds great in principle. And perhaps there's some truth in the distance that the Vatican has had with the plebes. But how Francis has went about building his bridge is by burning down the church on the other side of the bridge. He is constantly tearing down tradition to replace it with indifferentism. He tears down tradition to supplant it with rejectionism. He tears down tradition to wash it away with inclusivism. Now, while I personally believe that Francis is the worst pope in a 2,000-year history of the Catholic Church, I also believe that he is the duly elected pope and that it is our duty to offer prayers and sacrifices for his conversion. You see, sometimes God will allow a person to come into your life who wants to destroy it, just so that you might pray more fervently for that person in that situation. Think of Claude Newman who prayed fervently for the other prisoner who hated him. And through his prayers and sacrifices, the Blessed Mother entered that situation and ended up saving that man's soul. Sometimes your back has to be against the wall for you to wake up. And Francis is that wake-up call for us. He is everything that the Blessed Mother warned us would happen if we didn't pray the rosary, the rosary more fervently. Now, having said that, I want to share with you two clips from this documentary that concern me the most. The first was this exchange between Francis and a man named Andre Ribera. Friend of mine told me that they were going to attend a mass at Santa Marta. Do you want to come? And I told him, okay. But I would really like to write a letter to the Pope. So I went to the Mass with this letter in a pocket. In this letter I was telling that we were same-sex couple with three kids and that we were on the point of introducing our kids to the parish. But I was saying, Holy Father, I want to be sure it's a good thing for them and it cannot be a trauma, it cannot be something bad. But then three days after I got a phone call from an anonymous number 
someone say Mr. Rubera yes it's me this is Pope Francis I called you twice but you were not answering I read your letter it's a beautiful letter I got your point and he told me please bring your children to the parish being transparent with the parish about your family of course not all the people will share your choice of having a family like this but I think you have to go because it's good for your kids his message and his advice it was really useful because we did exactly what he told us it's the third year that they are attending this kind of spiritual path in the parish and everything is going okay. He didn't mention to which was his opinion about my family. Probably he's following the doctrine on this point. But the attitude towards people has massively changed. Las personas homosexuales tienen derecho a estar en la familia. Son hijos de Dios, tenderse una familia, no se puede echar de la familia a nadie, ni eso es la vida imposible por esa gente. Lo que tenemos que hacer es una ley de convivencia civil. Tienen derecho a estar cubiertos legalmente. Now here, I don't want you to pay attention to anything else that was said in this clip, other than what Pope Francis defined as family which is starkly opposed to what the Catholic Church actually teaches about what Christian family is. Francis openly confessed out of his own mouth that a family, in his personal opinion, can consist of two homosexual men and their three adopted or surrogate children. But some of you are saying, wait, David, they're family, right? I mean, we might disagree with the structure of the family unit they have, but they are a family. We, we, we can't take that away from them. Call disorder what you will. But words matter. If the depraved organ of human agency calls a thing sex or marriage or love, or our responsibility as Christians, and especially as successor Peter, is not to call what the world calls things are, but to call things are what God calls them. And according to um, the church's understanding of the fourth commandment, honor your mother and father so that your days uh, will be long in the land that the Lord has given you. <clears throat> Christian family constitutes a specific revelation and realization of ecclesial communion. And thereby, the family is a type of domestic church. And the family is an image of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The family is the organized cell and the building block of social life and is the continuity of God's intentional creation of man and woman, giving them one another to participate in his work through conjugal love and procreation. And none of these things that the church believes about the Christian family can be fulfilled through the demonic union of same genders. And in this way, same gender unions are harmful to children because the duties that the church teaches that parents, male and female, as the church rightly labels them, cannot be fully realized outside of that. Those duties being education, namely um, educating children in faith and good example and good judgment and self-discipline. 
parents, male and female, through the sacraments of marriage, are given the graces to evangelize their children and raise them in the faith. And this is what the church teaches. So call it what you will, these disordered unions. But the Catholic Church can only bless and rightly acknowledge what God has revealed to us to be family. Human agency has a tendency to twist words and call things are what they are not. And Francis, being inclined to be just a natural man, has fallen into that trap of the world. He's been hoodwinked, bamboozled, and led astray, and has gone around the world proclaiming the lie, calling family what a family is not. Francis has proven to have the proclivity to help innocent people and children make a shipwreck of their faith. With this lie, Francis has not only harmed this man's soul and pushed him down the slippery um, steps to hell, but has harmed these innocent children and has thereby voluntarily put a millstone around his own neck. Pope Francis rejects the institution of papacy so much that I think sometimes he forgets that he's Pope. And that he has a responsibility to, even in private conversations, to speak only the words that the church has given him to say. Just as Christ Jesus only spoke the words that his father gave him. Yet, even more concerning than this first clip was the second one here. But before I'm going to meet with the victims, I thought we were going to be in a hotel. But he said, I want you to be my guests. I want you to live with me in Santa Marta. I waited for him in the lobby and he appeared, just him, and said, Ah, Juan Carlos, how are you? And let's walk. I I realized who I was in front of, and um, we went to a, a small room where we sat across from each other in a chair. It was just me and him. And he started speaking, and he said, Juan Carlos, the first thing I want to tell you is that I apologize for the pain that the church the universal church has caused you and uh, for the pain that the Pope has caused you as well. I caused you more pain by saying what I said in January and I want to apologize. And I just said, thank you, Holy Father. And I spoke with him almost three hours I was the most important thing in that moment for him, and I felt that way. And I was able to talk to him about me because they had used this weapon, quote unquote, because I'm very proud of who I am, that because I was gay, I wasn't worthy of, of being considered a victim. And he said, Juan Carlos, you have to understand that God made you gay. God loves you like you are. And you have to love yourself. With the visit to Pope Francis, um, I got a little bit of my dignity back, and I told him that the last day. 
almost in tears and, and he thanked me and in a way I have received some kind of peace because his words were accompanied by actions. The Catholic Church teaches that God created male and female and that due to the consequences of humanity's original sin, human beings with deception to Jesus and Mary thereby experience <clears throat> a stronger draw or inclination to sin than they do than we do to original virtue. Now we naturally delight more in the appetites of sin than we naturally delight in original virtue. That we are more inclined to make excuses to sin than we are inclined to will the good. Of those inclinations, church teaches are things such as this um, honorable passions and unnatural relations such as homosexuality and bestiality. Those sinful inclinations also include things such as envy and murder and strife and deceit and gossiping, slander, blasphemy, um, dishonoring parents. The first chapter of the book of Romans offers a, a charitable and clear catalog of those wicked behaviors that the natural man is inclined to. Yet, <clears throat> here is the duly elected Holy Father of the Catholic Church calling them are what they are not harming this poor man and robbing him of his due, his justice, by telling him that God created him not male, but gay. Pope Francis has dared to contradict that divine revelation in 2,000 years a church teaching by calling this man by his sinful inclination rather than what God has created him as, man. Imagine you are a man who struggles with masturbation and the Pope told you that God created you to be a, master to be a masturbator. And that he loves you just as you are. Imagine you're a woman who struggles with, just struggles with gossiping. And a poet told you that God created you to be a gossiper. And that he loves you just the way you are. Imagine you're struggling with fornication or, or adultery or, or thievery or gluttony. And a poet looked you dead in your face and told you that God created you to be your sinful inclination. How would that make you feel? I'd say how it made me feel that day when I... Um, I left St. Pius, um, St. Pius X Catholic Church in Reynoldsburg, uh, um, Ohio, um, when after confessing a sin of masturbation, and the priest responded by saying, ah, a little tinkle of masturbation isn't harmful. That's what he literally said. He says, okay. You know how that made me feel? I felt worse leaving confession than I first went in. Because if there's no remedy for an inclination that I know is unnatural, then what is the point of living? That's how I felt. And that's how Juan Carlos should feel. And even worse, because he was lied to worse than I was. I mean, some random priest whose face I didn't see lied to me. But the vicar of Christ himself lied to Juan and told him that God created him to be his sinful inclination. If you're upset right now, I tell you that you do have a right to be. But I only ask that you convert that anger into appeals to God and to the Blessed Mother Mary and to St. Michael, the Archangel, that everyone who the Pope has harmed be healed and be saved, and that Pope Francis be converted. But until then, until next time, blessings and shalom to you and to yours.
fool me, we can't get fooled again. <laughs>